Welcome to the second episode of Hack Shack Talks. Your host, Paul, and my co-host... Nick C. checking in. Oh, God, here we go. Today's special guest is my main man, Coach Anthony Garcia, new pitching coach slash assistant coach at St. Mary's Hall. Anthony, welcome to the show, bro. Hey, how's it going, guys? How y'all doing, man? Good, good, good. So... Little backstory, Anthony came to us at the Hack Shack, I think about four years ago, um, actually through my boss's pool guy, kind of like, hey, my man teaches, oh yeah, okay, well, what kind, where did he play at? He played here, 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 I made some background checks on him, and here we are four years later, he's pretty much my right-hand man here at the Hack Shack. Um, so... To give you a little bit of background on Anthony, so Anthony's a local kid, played here at San Antonio Madison, uh, went on to play at Laredo Junior College, from there went on to Cisco, and then uh, finished up his career playing uh, D1 at what is now UTRGV, back then UT Pan Am. So uh, Anthony, kind of take us through your career, man, and uh, let the people know like how you ended up at Laredo and then Cisco, and then ended up at... Uh, I'm going to call it UTRGV. So. No, perfect, perfect. Oh, uh, yeah, no problem, man. Um, so, yeah, like Paul said, I went to uh, high school here in San Antonio, uh, graduated from Madison in 06, played under Gordy Gazelle. It was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's, uh, he's currently coaching. Now he's coaching at Johnson High School here in San Antonio. Um, played outfield, pitched, got dry. A scholarship to go play in Laredo my uh, freshman year. That was great. Great experience. Um, learned a whole bunch about the game. That was probably the biggest jump in learning just to how to keep up with the new speed of the game. Um, a lot of kids think that you go in the JUCO route. Uh, you're not going to see any studs. Or you're not going to see any dudes out there, any guys that can really ball, anybody that's worth a damn. But uh, in reality, man, sometimes you see some of the best competition and the yeah. best talent there at that level. Um, a lot of those guys aren't really focused on the school aspect of it, don't really want to go D1, aren't about the big university. School's not for them, man. They just want to go play ball and hopefully get drafted after that first year. So, uh, man, we saw some of the best competition ever, especially in that conference. And then um, from there, from Laredo, I only stayed at that first year. Um, going into Laredo... I actually was a starter and always had that starter mentality and always playing. And then you, I got to Laredo and uh, everybody there basically is starters and are studs on their team. So it was a huge uh, wake up, a huge realization that, uh, you know, you better get your ass in gear and really start putting in the work because talent isn't going to take you everywhere now. It's all about busting your ass and putting in those hours. Um, First semester, and I went from starting in high school and being the guy in high school all the time to being my first semester in junior college in Laredo and not making one travel squad. Reality and, check. Yeah, <laughs> big time, big time. And um, I know I talked to you guys about this before, and I'll, I'll bring this story up. Um, you know, we get there the first couple of days of practice, and everybody's kind of eyeing their competition up. We're all eyeing each other up and seeing what everybody has to offer, what they look like if they pass that eye test. Yeah. And... Uh, Kind of, you know, thinking your shit don't stink kind of mentality. Not good to have, but everybody was doing it. And um, our coach kind of brought us all together after the second or third practice and realized we weren't kind of all meshing. And he goes, everybody, y'all think you guys are the, are the dude here, don't you? You guys think you're all the man because you were in high school. 
So we divided this up. I want position players over here, my pitchers over here. Uh, and then asked her straight up, you know, here, my pitchers in high school, which one of you or how many of you guys were the number one or the number two by a show of hands? And of course, man, everybody, the entire pitching staff raises their hand. I was the number one. I was the number one. Looks around and goes, you see, we got about 20 of you guys right now. You think you all are going to be the number ones, the number twos? I doubt it. You got to work. You got to earn that spot. Goes over to the position player, same exact thing. Who here hit three or hit four hole in their high school team? The whole damn team raises their hand. Yes, exactly. Now who here hit leadoff? And it was our one guy. We call him our token black guy. I mean, he, he led off in high school, <laughs> led off in JUCO. But it was funny, man. It, it was just a realization that you have that chance to look around everybody and go, oh, shit. Everybody here can play. Everybody's here because they can play. They have something to offer. So it's really about now how do I fit in and how do I earn my spot with this group of guys. And, um, made it. You know, the whole first semester, like I said, didn't make a travel squad, went home for that break and just made that choice. You know, I need to keep my ass in the weight room the whole time, not take that break off, stay at the field, stay throwing, stay long tossing. So that when I come back, you know, I definitely got something to prove now because now that pride sets in. You don't want to accept kind of failure or defeat. And I was like, no, not happening. Um, came back, ended up being the number two in the spring. Um, did a lot of our preseason tournaments, preseason games. Came back, complete different mindset, different mentality. Uh, ended up being our number two and finished off really, really good with Laredo. Um, we just had a little mishap happen towards the end of our season, and our head coach had a little mishap and said something he shouldn't have said. And um, instead of getting fired, he decided he was going to resign instead and kind of told us, hey, you guys don't have to stay down here if you guys don't want to. I realized, you know, I recruited you down here. I'm not going to be here. I'll, you know, sign anything I need to sign. If you guys want to go play somewhere else, go ahead. And uh, right away, man, that one semester down there, I just realized there wasn't as much exposure as I would like. Not too many people go down there and watch the games. The most exposure we got was us traveling up north and traveling up a lot of our away games. You start to see a lot of the scouts there. And you just realize maybe nobody wants to spend that time to go down to the valley, go down to Laredo and watch anybody. Um, So we were in contact. I got in contact with the coach at Cisco. He had called us um, Coach White. Shout out Coach Whitey, man. Real good guy. Um, probably the realest coach I've ever been with was a, as opposed to laying it out, being honest with you, brutally honest. Sometimes you need to hear that <laughs> at that age, but it's, it's a good mentality to have as a coach. Um, went there my sophomore year, had probably the best season I had in college. Um, we made playoffs for the first time in school history, and this program was young. It was only maybe six, seven years old at the time. Uh, made playoffs for that first year and then ended up getting seen while we we're at some of these different tournaments. Got seen by a couple different schools. And uh, inevitably, I ended up choosing UTRGV or choosing Pan Am. Yep. Mainly because I did say, you know, after my two years of growth, I wanted to try and finish off D1. Um, and that was the one D- D1 offer I got. I got a bunch of D2s and D3s. And I was like, you know what? I want to face that good competition. Mm-hmm. If they're not a huge, huge school, at least I know we're going to play schools like UT, A&M, yeah, Texas gonna, Tech. I was going to say, was, was Pan Am playing UT, Texas A&M, and all those back in the day Incredible. Like they do now? Incredible. Yeah, we were independent at that time, so we weren't affiliated with any conference. Hmm. Um, really? We were independent, so we played Notre Dame. We played a bunch of schools that didn't weren't affiliated with conferences, and then we started going to these different tournaments, and you have you know, Texas State, like I said, uh, UT, A&M, Texas Tech. You so, faced Notre Dame when they had that track team out there in the outfield? <laughs> it was unbelievable. So, yeah, when I faced Notre Dame, they had uh, 
It was here at Wolf Stadium. It was a tournament in San Antonio. I think we played against them. Um, maybe Alabama was in that one. I think Northern Illinois was in that tournament. And then us, Little Pan Am. And uh, it was incredible, man. We played them one game on the weekend. And we had some guys that could swing it too, man. Just because we're at Pan Am doesn't mean they weren't any ball players. And we had guys that could smoke it. And we hit a couple gap shots. And uh, I know everybody's familiar probably with the name Golden Tate. He's a professional football player now. He played a uh, left field for them. And then, they had, <laughs> and then they had another guy on the football team that played right field. And then probably the coldest white boy in center field that, that, that year. Some guy named Golden Tate, no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> yes. but, but it's Chasing down. Yeah. You know, you, you hear this name, and then a year or two later, he ends up being in the show. And you're like, wow. Or being in the bigs, you're like, unbelievable. Just caught everything. Just caught everything, man. Those guys flew in the outfield. Not a ball dropped all weekend when we played against them. <laughs> Laid out for everything, tracking everything down. It was uh, pretty cool to see that caliber of athlete as well. Uh, you, right away when you see them, you know that they're, they're destined to go play at that next level yeah. for sure. Dude, so a couple of days ago, I, I, I got to ask you about this fashion kind of trend you had going when you were at UTRG. Oh. This little, this little, like, talk to us about this little kind of stash thing you had going on back in the day on the mound, dude. Like, I mean, who told you that looked good? Like, oh man, <laughs> the chin strap, the chin strap. Chin strap. That's what it was. I've seen a couple pictures of him back in the day. I'm like, what is chin this? Dude? Or, I mean, man, it's, what it's was hilarious the to process go, behind. It's hilarious that? to go back and see that stuff, man, for sure. Um, during the season, we had to stay clean shaven, but a lot of our preseason stuff, a lot of the fall stuff, when we were taking those pictures, you could do whatever. So, keeping the goatee, keeping the the little chin piece, the little yeah. dipstick, or doing it usually the, adds about two to three miles an hour on the fastball. <laughs> yeah, for sure. yeah. That, that was that was the whole intention of it, man. Yeah, there's a different persona, man. I, uh, um, when you're undersized, I'm not the biggest guy. I'm five eleven. 175 average um you get to d1 man every single pitcher there is above six foot throwing 90 miles an hour exactly exactly i was the crafty little lefty you you got to play with a different kind of persona you got to play with that bulldog mentality you look soft on the mound you look like a little kid man they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna eat you up yeah yeah you got to play like i said with that bulldog mentality kind of have that fierce competitiveness about you on the mound so i don't know if that was the case for it but Anything to kind of, you know. <laughs> so, so where, where would you say you enjoyed playing better? Uh, would it be, you know, in the JUCO life, you know, where you're a lot closer to the guys, you're with them 24-7, it's, it's just such a grind, or, you know, once you make that D1 level and, it, and you do get to have fun and play these big schools like A&M, Notre Dame, and Golden Tate, like, what, what would you say you enjoyed, you enjoyed most? Man, to be honest, I would probably say that's – an easy 50 50 question uh, yeah. like you said the grind nobody understands it and nobody respects it unless you've actually been through it and you've yeah. gone through it um you can talk to athletes all day that have been through it and you putting in that work day in and day out getting up every single morning for mm-hmm. weights yeah. uh, going to class coming home you know eating something real quick going to practice and being at the field for five six hours because they don't have it's not regulated how many hours a week you can practice you're out there sun up to sun down you get home Shower, change, hang out with the guys a little bit, and you're back out of the very next day. Yep. Um, that grind is something that not everybody is built for. Um, it takes a lot of perseverance. It takes a lot of maturity. It takes a lot of 
personal desire to want that because mm-hmm. a lot of guys right away they get that ad, you know they get any kind of adversity they don't like it it gets tougher than you see a lot of those guys drop out right away and leave yep. and that's that kind of feel you're like good man i knew you were yeah. always soft i knew you weren't gonna make it and yep. it just proves to you why you should be there why you should keep working hard why you should keep busting your ass because you get that little bit of success man you see it, it, yeah. it nothing feels better than that for sure and then on the opposite side of that, you know, you go through your two years of grinding, 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 poor facilities, yeah. poor bus rides, <laughs> the traveling's yeah. terrible, the meals are terrible, but you know, Golden Corral, Golden shout Corral, out to Golden Corral, dude. You're picking up burgers and just here everybody gets a burger. It's kinda of terrible. And then you finally make it to D one, you kinda of get, you know, feel like you get treated like you should your last two yeah. years, finishing yeah. out. You get the good bus rides, mm-hmm. you get the academic advisors taking care of you. Um, you get the personal trainers, you get the actual training staff there in the dugouts taking care of you yeah. before, they taking have care a of strength you and conditioning strength coach. and conditioning program, not just the, you know, the coaches running it, we had a strength yeah. and conditioning coach. You get all those amenities that that D1 offers, and you're like, ah, okay, this is what I busted my ass for, this is yeah. what I grinded for. And then, like you said, getting to see that talent, man. Yeah. I was a pitcher, so I started, you know, I pitched every four days. So when I'm not pitching, you know, I'm either in the bullpen, working on stuff, doing my, you know, pre workout things. Uh, in between my starts, and then either taking the book and then looking at the talent you're facing. You're facing guys at TCU throwing 95 the whole time, guys at UT throwing 95, and you're like, oh, my God, these are a different caliber of athletes yeah. for sure. These guys are these guys are the real deal. It was incredible. So, yeah, I would say 50-50, man. You, 50-50. You have that grind. You get to enjoy that grind. It teaches you to become that college baseball player, mm-hmm. and then you get that, you know, the last two years to hopefully ride out and enjoy it. So how was it your first start coming home and playing at Wolf? As a collegiate player, sure, fam- <laughs> I'm sure families there, friends, girlfriends, whatever the case may be. Like, what was what was that experience like coming home the first time and playing in front of like the home crowd, so to speak? Man, incredible and very humbling. So, uh, yeah, I get to come home at Wolf Stadium, and as a kid growing up, you go watch the missions play there all the time, and you're there for early BP. You stay after, you get lucky, you catch a foul ball, man, and makes your makes your day. Dude. Yeah. Nothing makes a little kid happier than that. And then getting to go there. And be that athlete, be that baseball player where the kids are coming and like asking for your autographs. Man, we're nobody, but to that kid, man, we're everything. So they're coming and asking for your autograph. Um, makes you feel so good. And then I, you know, my, I call my whole family, all the friends, everybody I played ball with. Man, you guys got to come up here and watch. I'm pitching. Come up here and watch, watch. And didn't have the best outing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was waiting yeah. for it. I, I wasn't going to say nothing, but I kind of knew that's where it was going. So, like, I, knew that's I, where didn't, we going. I didn't have the best outing. Um, so right away, you're just like, oh, I had everybody here to watch me too. What oh, happened? I haven't, awesome. heard, I haven't heard. I haven't heard. Uh, nothing bad, man. It just wasn't any great. Like, you know, as a starter, you're expecting to go five, six innings. Yeah. I think I got pulled by like two and two thirds. And I was like, ooh. So then the rest of the time, you're just sitting there in the dugout, kind of looking back in the sands with your family and friends. You're like, yeah, yeah, my bad. You all got to sit there the whole rest of the game now. Watch the family's sitting there going, well, well, I guess it's time to drink. Let's go get that beer. <laughs> uh, but then in return, man, um, I had always wanted to just because growing up a single mother, single household, um, I wanted to try to stay close to my mom so she didn't have to travel or anything like that. So I'd always wanted to go to UTSA and play and just never had the chance to. Um, anytime they saw me or I had trouts for them, it didn't really go, didn't go great, didn't yeah. impress anybody. So uh, I got to come back to San Antonio again when we played UTSA and I got that game against UTSA. So, you know, the night before getting to prepare was a good feeling because every bit of you is just so anxious and excited to yeah. kind of shove it to them. Prove to them why they should have picked yeah. you up. Help your team. Because their UTSA was a solid squad back then, too. Yeah. 
and uh, ended up pitching like seven innings, shoved it, felt good, man. The coach came back, talked afterwards. He's like, hey, lefty, you know, hell of a game, man. You really kept us all balanced and yeah. loved everything you did, man. Keep it up. So just kind of hearing that validation, man, felt good. Kind of pissed because, like I said, I wanted to be there close to home. But yeah. the experience I had down in Edinburgh, um, just like I said, growth and maturity, being away from family forces you to become that man, grow up. Um, I wouldn't trade that for anything, for yeah. sure. Have Getting you, a shove at TUSA, like I said, felt great. Have you gone back to see UTRGV anytime soon? Like, no, just I Just to see like how big it's grown back since then? I haven't, but I still have quite a few friends that are down there, that, that live down there. Yeah. And um, they'll go, there's an independent team that plays at that field. So our field was actually incredible. It was better than an actual collegiate field. Yeah. Because the independent team played down there as well. So they had the money and the funds coming yeah. from the town and everything, keeping it up. Uh, it was incredible. And I got guys that still go down there and still watch games all the time and watch a college team play. And just the campus itself has grown yeah. almost double because when I was there, it just was UT Pan American. Now UT Pan Am plus UT Brownsville merged together to make it UT RGV. So now it's a, it's a complete different campus. The buildings there are amazing. Field still looks good. They've added a little bit of things to it. Um, but they've definitely finally started to keep up with the time. They're now there. they're in the whack now, right? Yeah, they're in I the think, whack. Yeah, now. right? Yeah. Okay, so they they are in, so they should come up and play UTSA and I wouldn't see why they wouldn't. We did yeah. back then too, so yeah. Right on. So I know this has been like kind of 10 years in the making, man. Like I know, you know, you've always wanted to be a coach and and now mm-hmm. you're getting that opportunity. Number one, congratulations, man, as far as getting the job at St. Mary's Hall. And uh, shout out to Coach Baker for uh, taking you on. I know last year we ch- it it just didn't work out um, for I think there was some taps rules involved. Anyway, um, fast forward a year later, ten years plus later, you know you're finally getting that chance. So tell us how's it feel, man, to know like I know today you dropped off all your paperwork, <laughs> so it's really official today. So. What's the game plan? Like, you know, you're going to be working, putting game plans together over the holidays? Like, yes, yes. The season starts pretty quick in January, so uh, run us through that, man. Again, congratulations, and just kind of tell us how this, fe- how this whole thing feels coming to this culmination of over 10 years of, of grinding trying to get in there. Uh, yeah, no, f- I appreciate it, man. First off, thank you very much. Uh, shout out to Coach Baker at St. Mary's Hall as well. Um, Man, to be honest, it has been a huge, just not weight off my shoulders, but a very humbling, relaxing, like uh, about kind of time feeling. Yep. Um, I graduated from Pan Am in 2010, uh, came up, started working right away, tried out for the missions just to see, you know, after, after college, everybody has that expiration date. And if you don't get drafted after your senior year, it's kind of a, oh man, I guess like now it really <laughs> is done for me. Yeah. I am done. I didn't get drafted. We you know undersized for a pitcher at D1 level. Uh, so I tried out with the missions. Felt like I did really well, but they didn't end up picking up anybody there. And you kind of realize, like, if you're not getting seen then, it, it's a hard shot. It really mm-hmm. is. Um, so, yeah, I, I always always knew that I had that love and passion for the game. And there's no reason, like, you know, once you're done, to just take everything you learned with you to the grave and not be able to pass that knowledge on to that next level. Because inevitably, you're not vicariously living through those kids, but you're teaching them everything you know and nothing feels better than to actually see them have success and see them do really really well it makes you feel like you know you're doing your job and you're succeeding those kids for sure um so yeah you know been here with hack for the last four years giving lessons pitching lessons hitting lessons 
Um, and when the opportunity finally rose itself, just the best blessing in disguise it really could have been. Um, always wanted to do it. I feel like, like I've told you from the past, I feel like sometimes going to three different colleges in your collegiate career playing baseball, it's rough. You gotta prove yourself to each team, to each coach. You know, it's not like you've been at one place for four years and you can kind of just keep working your way up that ladder. It's going somewhere new every year and proving yourself. Um, along with that, you know, you you get to play under three different kind of coaching style techniques. And uh, you got some guys that are the yellers, you got some guys that are real passive, you got some guys that are the screamers, some guys that are hold you accountable, and you got some guys that really don't hold you accountable and let you do your own stuff. Um, you get to kind of see what works and what doesn't work. And inevitably you kind of incorporate all of those things that you think work into your coaching style. So the fact that I got to have all those coaches um, really was a blessing as well. Um, like I said, that molded me into who I am now and the passion I give into the coaching, the love I show to these kids. I hope that's what's making me successful and what's making them successful and it was made us as a, as a select team at Hack Shack successful. Um, and I intend to you know, carry that over into St. Mary's Hall. I know they aren't as competitive and aren't doing as well. Um, they're a huge academic school, of course. And the new athletic director, the, new, the coach and everything, they want to start putting more emphasis on athletics and be able to compete athletically, not just academically. Yep. Um, and hopefully, you know, we bring that new mindset, bring that winning mentality to St. Mary's Hall, turns that program around for the better, man, and really not necessarily looks good for us, but shows that, you know, what we're talking about in our, our program and our system really does work. Yeah. So I know a couple of weeks ago, man, you, you went out to um, Texas Baseball Ranch. Shout out to Texas Baseball Ranch doing some great things out there in Houston area, man. Really being on the front front line and cutting edge of pitching and, and not just technique, but everything in pitching involved. So kind of tell us what you learned out there and what you are going to bring back to not only your lessons, but also to the St. Mary's Hall staff. Oh, yes. Uh, no, definitely. That Texas baseball ranch up there in Montgomery, Texas, is incredible. And if anybody listening ever has the chance to take your pitching, your pitching staff, to these pitching clinics, or you as a coach have a chance to go to these conferences and these kind of conventions, man, it's worth every single dollar. Um, the amount of people that they have there, the doctors, the scouts, the guys that are in you know, the Major League Baseball um, facilities. It's incredible. The, the knowledge that they have and the extensive research that they've done behind everything, it's, it, it really is phenomenal and eye-opening. Um, us as coaches, you know, no matter how long you've coached, how much you think you know baseball, you don't know everything. You've not seen it all. You're always learning. You're constantly learning. The game is constantly changing, so you have to kind of be adaptable. Yes, baseball has always been the same, but it has changed over time as well. So if you're kind of a coach kind of stuck in those same old habits, not really doing anything new, not challenging your students, not challenging your athletes, expect them to kind of stay mediocre, um, stay subpar. Some of the things that I learned, man, that were incredible was just like from the pitching stance and from the pitching coach standpoint, um, just how to take better care of your pitching staff, how to take care of your bullpen guys. Um, a lot of times, and even us, man, I told you, like, we're guilty of it, and I would love for us to change is we don't necessarily take care of those middle relief guys and our bullpen guys like we should. You know, we focus on taking care of those starters and making sure they feel good and their arms are good and they're warming up like they should. But then again, you know, that same game, we're telling our 
middle infield or our middle relief guys. Hey, hurry, go over there to the bullpen, man, quick. So and so's in trouble. You gotta get ready quick, get ready quick. Yeah. And then he's over there, you know, throwing seven, eight pitches, max intensity, max velocity, shredding his arm. And then so and so, whoever's pitching, gets out of it. Like, hey, Steve, hey, come back in, man. You're good. <laughs> come back, man. You're good. Cool, cool it down for a second. Yeah. You know, cools it down, comes back in. We hit for 20 minutes, maybe. And then you send you know, the guy back out there again on the mound, and he starts getting in trouble again. And, hey, Steve, hurry, man. I need you guys. Get, get back out there, man. Hurry up. Get loose again. Yeah. And I that guy, Steve. We don't have one Steve on our team, man. Like, I don't want to say anything. Where did that guy. come from? You, you, know, you, tell, Steve, dude. you tell somebody to get down there, and, you're, and you'll, you do that two or three yeah. times a game. Yeah. Two or three week, you know, games a weekend, you're yeah. killing that kid's arm, man. And then he hasn't thrown one time in a game yet, and his arm's bent, his arm's shot. So just yeah. a couple different ways to – Take care of your body. Take care of your arm. Make sure you get that pre warm up with your body, and then your arm work. You know your arm work, your arm routine, arm care, and then going into actually picking up that ball and throwing it. And like I told you, man, we did that at Pan Am the whole time I was there, and never once did I ever have arm problem. My arm felt the best when I was there, and it's just silly for us to not incorporate what they're doing at that level down at the high school level, select level. And like they were telling us, you know, there's no reason why you can't. There's nothing that says you can't do this, but everybody has kind of that follow the herd mentality, especially high school coaches and select coaches where if everybody else is doing it, well, we're going to do it this way too because it's always been done like this. Yeah, it has, but doesn't mean it's the right way, you know? So they showed us a lot of things to like hyper-individualize each kid's warm-up routine and throwing routine. Not everybody's the same. You can't have the same kind of warm-up routine and expect all 15 of your pitchers to do that exact same thing and get the same results. So yeah. you've got to spend time with each pitcher. Hyper, like I said, hyper-individualize each one of their uh, warm-up routines, the throwing routines, to get that max intensity, max velocity out of them. So a lot of cool things, man. A lot of things are eye-opening that I can't wait to bring back to the shack, bring back, uh, you know, take to St. Mary's Hall and really work with those pitchers. Because a lot of, a lot of seems like these days, man, a lot of the guys are always complaining about arm trouble, arm pain, arm soreness, mm-hmm. but doing nothing in the positive way to correct it or to change it. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of, they were saying a lot of the doctors, you know, right away you got arm pain, arm problems. Then they take MRIs, you got no tear, no rib, no nothing. They don't know what to do. They just tell you straight up, stop doing everything. Cut it out. Mm-hmm. Cut what you're doing. Don't do anything. Don't pick up a baseball for two, three months. Well, in return, you're not getting any better, any stronger while you're taking that time off. And then most of these kids, the moment they take those two or three months off, they don't do anything. They come right back to, okay, the doctor says I'm good now. I cleared. I'm cleared. Two months has passed. I don't really have any arm pain. They go right back to doing the exact same thing, didn't change anything, expecting it not to go back and start hurting again. Well, if you don't change anything and you don't change the way you warm up that arm and get that arm ready to start throwing, you go right back to just picking that ball up and start throwing. Yep. Expect the exact same thing to happen. Your arm to feel like crap again. So, which is what happens to a lot of our guys. It happens to a lot of guys at the high school level. So, just ways to kind of prevent that. Ways to work through it. Ways to get our pitchers healthy and keep them healthy throughout the season. So, is there some stuff that you learned over there that we can that you can transition into not just pitchers but your everyday guys that are playing day in day out? Oh, oh yeah, definitely. So, the guy who actually runs the camp, Ron Wolferth, his son is a catcher for the Cincinnati Reds. And he was saying the same thing. He like catchers, you know, they they their arms get tore up too, and they get the brunt of it. Um, you know, you're catching eight pitches beginning of each inning, you know, warm up pitches, and then right away, all right, coming down, and you got to fire that thing down at max velocity, like you're pretending to get a runner out. You do that, 
seven, eight, nine, nine times, innings, yeah. yeah, nine innings, you're, those catchers are just shredding their arms and killing their arms too. A lot of the times with the outfielders too, man, you got your outfielders that are just playing a lob catch to warm up. They haven't seen a ball all game, and then the fourth inning, something comes up, and you know, <laughs> four, got to get it in. You know, tie <laughs> yeah. game. That's the, you got to lace one Yeah, in. you got to lace Throw one in. Throw them out, baby. Exactly. So they were telling us, you know, not only is it effective and efficient for your pitchers to do this too, but to kind of think of a warm-up routine to add all your position players in or guys that are having arm problems. Yeah. Do these things, do these things before, do these things during. Your arm does hurt, do these things after to take care of it. Really helps and benefits the whole team. Like I said, there were so many MLB affiliates that were there from the minor leagues, AAA, AA, single A, and they were saying that they do this with their entire pitching staff, their entire program, their, all their guys, just to ensure that those infielders feel good, those outfielders feel good, the catchers are good, pitchers are good, because you're not as good as you really are unless everybody on your team is healthy and playing the best that they can be. Yeah, our jobs as coaches more and more is kind of like not just to coach them up, but also keep them healthy and keep, keep them healthy yeah. on the field. Exactly, let that longevity, let their career, you know, have a, have a nice, long, healthy career as opposed to, man, I would have gone to college, but if I didn't hurt my arm, you <laughs> yeah. hear all those, like, you know, sloppy stories. Yeah. Some Uncle Rico stories exactly. from the Bowling Gun. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so yeah, but but uh, quick one question that I'm kind of curious about. So going back to you getting this job at St. Mary's Hall and everything, I know you you spoke with the coach already over there. What do you kind of have in the back of your mind that you want to bring to the table? Things that you're thinking about that you know the change you want to bring, different things you want to do. I know you had to have, you know already thought about a couple things here and there. What what are you kind of looking forward to uh, to changing in that in that um, route to to lift the program up? Yeah, um, so this is no offense to Baker. Baker, like, he will, he'll say this to anybody, too. You know, he was super honest with me about it and said, like, he was a catcher in college. Mm-hmm. And he, yeah, you work with pitchers all the time as a catcher. You're catching their bullpens. You're seeing their mechanics. But he didn't really know mechanics, pitching mm-hmm. stuff. So gotcha. he was like, you know, when you come over, is it going to seem like a lot of responsibility? Yes, but I trust you. I've seen what you do with the Shack. I've seen what you and Paul have done, what you guys have done with y'all's teams. I want somebody to come in and be able to run my pitching staff, gotcha. take full control yeah. as opposed, you know, before I didn't do that. I would tell them, hey, go do your little warm-up routine. I'm focusing on what the other guys, with the position players, you know, go throw your bullpens, go do this. I think just me being there and actually holding them accountable, seeing what they're doing, being able to individually work with each pitcher, um, give my two cents, not yeah. necessarily change anything, but just kind of finely tune what yeah. Coach Baker's doing over there and really emphasize me knowing what I'm talking about so these kids know what I'm talking about, yeah. they'll be able to, like, pick up right away, I think. Um, we have some of the kids from St. Mary's Hall on our select team. So just working with some of those guys, I could kind of tell where they lacked some knowledge of the yeah. game, where they lacked some knowledge of stuff. So just being able to come in there, the knowledge I have of the game, being able to incorporate sequences, how they're, uh, how they're warming up, how they're taking care of themselves, how they're running, their conditioning afterwards, stuff like that, I think, is what they never had. You know, you incorporate some kind of discipline, some kind of system, some kind of... um, Accountability. Accountability. You're going to start to see the results as opposed to not having it there. So I'm I'm excited to start bringing that in, basically. Yep, and defense always wins championships, for sure. Exactly. Yep. 
Good hitting beats hit. Good pitching hits hitting. Can we get our editor to edit that out? <laughs> edit this? that out, please. We ain't got one yet. We can't. This is only the second episode. We ain't got good one yet. pitching beats good hitting any day of the week. Exactly. Thank you. See, that's why you're the co-host. Yep. That's why I got you. <laughs> well, give and take. So, man, so a uh, couple of questions just to yeah. kind of finish out. Rapid, rapid fire questions. Of course, Not really, of course. but just so we can get you out of here, man. So what's the one thing that like... You're going to bring, you think, what's the one thing from all three of your college coaches that is, you're going to bring into your coaching style at St. Mary's Hall? Um, that I one, learned from all three? Yeah, like, or like one from each, name something from each coach that you're going to bring to your coaching style over there at St. Mary's Hall. Um, okay, first one, Coach Tudwell in Laredo, that was his name. <laughs> um, toughness. Man, that toughness, because, you know, and a lot, especially your very first year, you know, out of high school, you think you're the main guy, the top dog. You think, you know, you're, you're, the, you're God's gift to baseball. And then you go there and you realize the speed of the game is different. The athletes are different. It's not the baseball you think you know. And a lot of kids can be soft. And a lot of kids get discouraged right away. If they never had any adversity growing up or any adversity in high school, they always had an easy paved route. Those are the guys you see drop out right away. Man, that guy taught us grit, taught us to be tough, taught us to, you know, hate to use his word, not to be a bitch, not to be soft. He ain't got time for that. This level of baseball doesn't have time for it. And getting that and hearing that and feeling that, man, is it's the truth. Because if you don't get that, you get that soft coach who doesn't really push you, who doesn't force you guys to grow up and be men, you're going to get your asses kicked on the field for sure. Yeah. I've always said you, you should love your coach and hate him all in the same breath. That's him perfectly. That's him perfectly. Hate him, hate him because, hate him because he pushed on your ass, ass and was always on our he's ass. He's always on your ass and he's pushing you to the, be the best you can be. Love him because you know at the end of the day he's got the best, your best interest at heart. And he, def- and he definitely did. And I think that's why I pushed myself so hard that semester to make sure, second semester, I made sure I started and played for sure. Uh, and then from Coach White, I would definitely say um, how blunt he was, like I had mentioned before. Like when I first got there, he had me and the – Yeah, the honesty, the brute honesty. A lot of coaches sometimes want to candy coat things or don't want to hurt your feelings. That first coach wasn't like that, but he definitely was. And he didn't say it in a condescending way. He didn't say it in a disrespectful way. He said it in a real way, in a very yeah. – way that you knew he wasn't bullshitting you he wasn't trying to be your best friend but he wasn't trying to like show you he hated you either he legitimately cared about you and he was going to show that to you by giving you the brute brute straight you know honest all, all brute truth all the time honesty and if it was what you didn't want to hear you know i have two great stories from coach whitey um one was <laughs> i had signed my letter of intent early to go play at pan am that way you know the spring semester i could play scot-free not worry in the back of my mind yeah. not feel like every Audi and I had something to prove and I were scouts watching me. I did so well in the fall. I signed early. Great feeling. I ended up, you know, having two or three really, really good starts. And then I had one or two bad starts after that where it felt like I was falling off. And, man, Whitey pulled me aside and uh, came and gave me some tough love and was pissed. And he was like, what, you think just because you signed now, like, you can take it off? Or you don't have to give me everything you got now? You can just kind of coast through the rest of the season because you ain't got to worry about shit now? Me as a competitor, man, pissed me off. I'm like, no, hell no. Like, you think I'm going up there trying to lose, get my ass, like, shacked or shellacked? No way, man. I'm going up there with that bulldog mentality trying to win. I hate losing. So sometimes hearing that, like, 
you're like, all right, man, I'll show you. Like, no, it's not like that. I'm not trying to do anything like that. But that's that, that, that fire you need to kind of, you know, light that little, light that little flame again. You're like, all right, why do you like, I get it. I get it, man, for sure. And then, you know, turn the rest of the season around and made playoffs. It was, it was great. And then, uh, the last one at Pan Am, I would say from uh, Montrana, we didn't really have the best relationship, but I learned uh, work ethic and perfecting your craft. He, we had to do playbooks, we had film, we had so much stuff that we never had at the JUCO level. So I was like, damn, we never watched film of ourselves throwing bullpen. We never did uh, study hall. We never had playbooks. We never looked at the other play the other team's um scouting reports like we would get the scouting report from every team that we were playing that weekend on those bus rides as pitchers we had to look at one through 12 their 12 hitters and really find out where they're hitting what pitch they hit all the time the frequency that they hit that pitch where their locations are their hot spots or cold spots in the zone and it was incredible because we never did that at the juco level but you get to you know d1 you learn more about the game and get further coaching. And that's like the preparation, perfecting your craft. That's what I learned. And that's what I'm definitely honing in. I really want to take into St. Mary's Hall is learning what those guys are doing and making sure they're, they're geniuses, man. That school is known for the academics. Yeah. So I can't wait to incorporate that mind and the athletic side of it and really show them what they are capable of and what they could do. Yeah. I don't think they're going to have any problem with it at that age either. Yeah. Right on, man. So, We've got several seniors that have signed their national letters letters of intent to go play in college. What's the one, if they asked you for one piece of advice heading off to their freshman year in college, what's the one thing you would tell them? Uh, It's not easy. It's not easy. Um, If you think you're working enough right now, you're definitely not. Um, I thought I was working out all the time and I was working maybe two, three days a week, throwing maybe two or three days a week. And I thought, man, I'm good. I'm good to go. I'm busting my ass. I'm doing more than the normal guy is on my team or who I'm playing with. And then you get to college and you realize what work is, what everyday weights are, what practice every single day is. It's a completely different workload that I think kids aren't used to. I don't think parents hold kids accountable. I don't think a lot of high school coaches hold kids accountable. So I would just say, like, if you think you're working hard enough now, you're not definitely, you know, be prepared and, uh, it's an eye-opening experience. Yeah, it's an eye-opening experience for sure. <laughs> I, know, I know Nick had touched on something. We had talked about it too, and this is so true. Like uh, you want to stay as equally balanced as you can mentally because a lot of times, man, in college baseball, you have some of the highest of highs mm-hmm. and then some of the lowest of lows. And if you let those highs and those lows affect you negatively or you, you know, you're riding on that high as opposed to like you know, something bad happens and you're riding heavy on that low, it can really mess you up. And that's when guys start getting in slumps, start getting the yips, start letting their mindset and their mentality affect their performance. And that's it's crazy because it happens, man. And you see it happen. You see it happen to your roommate, your best friend on the staff, your best friend hitting. You're like, damn. Yeah. He's going through all that right now because <laughs> he's putting all that unnecessary pressure on himself. Yeah. Um, it's a hard stay, game. Stay equally balanced, man. Right, be able to ride out, like I said, those highs and lows equally and uh, not, not focus too much on, on one or the other. Right on. Be able to keep that level head. Well, man, we appreciate you uh, swinging by, man. Good, good stuff, man. Uh, you know, again, good luck. Um, I know you're looking forward to it, man, and we're looking forward to seeing you out there and and uh, hopefully changing the kind of overall just performance out there at St. Mary's Hall and turning that program into a winning one along with Coach Baker. I know it's uh, been a long time coming and. 
Man, again, congratulations, and we look forward to it. And thanks for coming on the show today, man. Man, of course, Paul, I appreciate it. Nick, thanks, man. I appreciate everything. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Until next week, man, we out. Nick C, checking out. Ace.